I remember we were at Basketball Canada's training camp with the junior national team, and I was just kind of volunteering. I had no idea what I was freaking doing, and I was, you know, helping with the video at camp. And, you know, there was one guy, uh, by Phil Yetovich. When I was at camp, again, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was, to be, to, be, to be very bluntly honest, like I was pretty intimidated by just everything going around. I hadn't been around those kind of players and um, those kind of coaches. Like it was super high performance. And I think when I met you, Phil, it was just, dude, you, you were just a grounded dude, no ego. You weren't, you know, you weren't trying to prove anything. You were just who you were. And I just really appreciated that. Um, again, coming into that kind of setting where for me, again, it was intimidating. So dude, I'm just so happy I met you. I'm so happy that we've been able to stay in touch. And I'm happy that you joined me on this podcast. No, man, John, look, I appreciate that. Those uh, kind words, man. Thanks for having me. Look, 2017 summer was my first summer really jumping in full-time CB things. And like, I was, I like, it's, it's, thank you for saying those things. I was intimidated inside. <laughs> Still have some, you know what I'm saying? So it's not at all, uh, and uh, you know, we were, it was great having you there. We didn't, uh, we didn't have anyone sort of as focused on the video side of things. So that was awesome to have that kind of uh, support. And, you know, it's great to have people that are committed and, and love and basketball and passionate. And um, I mean, I think it went okay. We won a gold medal. I don't know. <laughs> Beat Team USA, <laughs> man. Summer, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a great summer. <laughs> it was a great summer. But no, it's and just keeping in touch with you over the years. And then, you know, when we were in Regina for, for U15s and- um, Oh man, and don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, all good. <laughs> I, you know, that was an awesome tournament and uh, yeah. just for me involved in there. And uh, no, it's been great, man. Thanks so much for having me. I've been following on IG and uh, it's cool to get this perspective of it. Like not talk as much on, you know, the specific basketball stuff, the specific analytics stuff, but just talk about, you know, the, the, the mental side of things, how you go about your day to day and balancing all that. I'm excited, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so where I want to start is like I mentioned, I just think you're, you come across as very grounded. Um, I don't think you really play into status games. You're, you're just true to who you are, man. And, and you, and you, you stay centered. How do you, how do you do that? How does that come about? <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I I guess two things I would kind of say, and I don't. We'll see if they if they answer your question. So let me know if I'm <laughs> on the right track here. But um, when I started kind of getting into the whole, like when I started playing back in the day, um, the first kind of quote unquote good team I made was in, I think it was grade nine. Um, shout out here in, in uh, Ontario basketball, Etobicoke Thunder. Um, and I was like, you know, 12th man on the team. <laughs> and that kind of continued, honestly, throughout the rest of my basketball career. Like I never was really, you know, the person on the team and, you know, highly recruit or whatever. Like it was always kind of a fight just to stay like I, I was passionate about basketball I love basketball it is a fight just to stay sort of relevant and I after that one year I, I played at I moved to Toronto 5-0 and like our Toronto 5-0 team another OBA team like we had three D1 players on that team and like five youth like it was a really good team we had five youth sports players come out of that team 
Um, so by the way, the funny story, the three D1 players all were named Stefan. Stefan Nastic played at Stanford. Stefan Svrkal um, played at Lehigh when they beat Duke. He was on that team with CJ McCollum. And then Stevan Manojlovic played at um, Drexel University. So anyways, um, it was a Serbian, it was a heavy Serbian team, but it was just a way, like, I just never really had a chance to, you know, let any ego get in there. Like, it was always like, shit, I got to work hard. <laughs> I got to be yeah. positive. I got to be passionate. Otherwise, I'm going to get cut. And then I won't get a chance to do something that I like to do. Um, I was fortunate. I worked really hard, you know, to get better, um, as many do. And uh, I had a chance to kind of join the McGill team. Um, and I played for Coach DeVero at, uh, at McGill. <laughs> I essentially walked on to that team. So it was another thing, like I can't, like he was like, come to camp, but I'm not gonna guarantee it. And so I walked on to that team um, and I didn't play much for two years. And then, you know, I got cut afterwards, essentially. Um, he recruited a couple more players. And uh, so he gave me the opportunity to, you know, stay involved. All of my friends were still on the team. And there was a big group of us, a recruiting class of 2011 that all got sort of cut in 2013. He brought in a whole new kind of contingent. I mean, we won pretty well. You can't fault it. We won, like, most of the Quebec championships during that time. So he, he was doing it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, there was never really a – I was always like, look, you know, you just got to be real and true to who you are um, and, uh, and understand what value you can kind of bring to this group of people. Otherwise, you just kind of won't have a spot um, amongst them. So – he, I was fortunate because Dave asked me to stay along, uh, sorry, on the team after he sort of was like, there, you won't be able to play um, anymore here. And, uh, it, you know, a lot of my friends were still on the team. Um, and it was a chance for me to, you know, stay on the bench during games, travel with them. We did a couple of U.S. trips. So um, still get that love for it. But honestly, like, be real with like, look, obviously, I wasn't good enough to kind of continue from a basketball standpoint, but how can I sort of make an impact? And now you're on the coaching staff. So now it's like Dave, who's coached national teams, Muddy, Trevetti, who's um, coached national assistant, co uh, was a manager of the national team. And he's done, um, you know, all he's coached at a bunch of U sports schools and John D'Angelo's who's won RSEQ championships sent like tens of people to do one. So it's like, now you're trying to stay relevant with them. And it, there was always kind of that sort of fight. I don't want to, you know, make it seem big. Like it wasn't a fight to survive at all, but like it was just an, an attempt to make, to stay relevant. Right. Um, and then when I joined Canada basketball, so that was the one kind of thing when I was, when I was playing, um, mm -hmm. when I joined Canada basketball in 2016, I mean, maybe the biggest stroke of luck that I've had, <laughs> one of the biggest in my life um, was that I was put in the same office as Michael Meeks. Right. And I don't think there's a more grounded, humble, down to earth dude on the planet than Michael Meeks, nice as kind, caring. So that was someone that I interacted to literally every minute of every day <laughs> in the office. We traveled together. We went on road trips together to, to scout players and, uh, and do things. So having him as a mentor and seeing how he approaches this, like that's a guy who's played at the alum. Like in 2000 in Sydney, Michael Meeks led the national team in scoring, right? Like that was with Nash, Rowan, Greg Francis, um, Garot, Pete Garacci, Sherman Hamilton, like he was the leading scorer of that team. Like he doesn't bring it up unless other people, like he's one of the most humble people. So having um, him as a mentor and, and uh, you know, um, watching how he sort of interacts with the environment and, and goes about development and, um, you know, leadership of he's, he's running our age group national teams and all that kind of stuff. I think that was another sort of main reason, like, great, you know, you're, you're working in this position, but if, you know, 
the person that I work with most closely who's done infinitely times more things that, you know, all I aspire to, like, that's what they're, how they're going about their business. Like, okay, that's a good kind of feedback mechanism to me. So I think that's a little bit about the background of it. Um, and I think the final element I would add is I always try to stay mindful of the fact that I'm incredibly fortunate to get paid to, to work in basketball. Um, and it's not making lives, it's not doing it. So like, if you're not having fun and really being respectful with everybody that you're interacting with, like you're not doing the right thing and you're kind of wasting your time. So I always just try to keep in the back of my head, like enjoy it, have fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had a couple coaches on and they've talked about the importance of gratitude in their life and how that keeps them grounded. That's kind of how they check in. So yeah. Are there like specific moments where you kind of check in? Like, do you like journal? Do you, do you reflect on it? Like, how do you just, cause I think everybody yeah. from time to time kind of slips up obviously, but are there times where yeah. you, where you check in with yourself and just remind yourself that, Hey dude, like, cause I know yeah. it's not, yeah. I know there's times where it's like, dude, like, <laughs> I mean, it's great and all and you're, and you're getting paid, but it's also sometimes it can maybe be a little bit of a grind or maybe things come sure. up that, you know, are unfortunate, et cetera, right? No doubt. Um, I think both, you know, mindfulness exercises, meditation and journaling, I've tried to sort of incorporate into my daily life. Um, I think they're both, they're, they're very, very important. Obviously it's tough sometimes to stay, you know, consistent uh, as possible. There's a lot of good, you know, obviously tools to kind of, I'm sure you're familiar with many of them, but I've sort of embraced into my kind of day-to-day um, to kind of do it. So I'll, I'll use, um, I do uh, like Headspace with the, the app. I've tried to kind of, uh, you know, over time as I've sort of been doing this, um, lead myself into uh, like removing myself as much from like the guided when there's the person kind of speaking to you, but try and um, incorporate my own kind of uh, mindfulness as much as possible. But frankly, it, it is easier a little bit to do, uh, to do the, the guided one with the app, and then I'll continue trying to get better with it. So I do sort of um, at some point during the day, I do kind of stop um, and I try to do like a, a 10 minute segment on uh, on one of like the courses, whatever that they have on the app. So that's kind of on the mindfulness side um, and just sort of stopping and clearing. And uh, honestly, just like the breathing, like when I started doing it, it was probably it's been about two years. Like, okay, and this isn't like groundbreaking, obviously there's a ton of research on it, but like it actually, like the feeling you get, like it actually, it's crazy how much of a difference it makes. And when you stop and you do breathe, you control your yeah. breathing and really try and clear everything like you start you're like when I first started doing it, I was like this is crazy like <laughs> why has this been low like where was this like 10 years ago <laughs> like what yeah. why did this sort of have that there so anyway so that's kind of a that that element of it and just trying to clear and, and focus in on what you have upcoming and tasks and and all of that kind of stuff um I've been really fortunate in the school that I'm doing right now um at U of T there's sort of a self-development lab incorporated into it. And there's a professor there called Maya Jikic um, who takes you through a lot of mindfulness as well and uh, learning about you know, your body and how it functions and all of that. And she was talking about um, self-regulation and it being almost like a muscle that you can kind of train. Um, and as you get more tired and fatigued and uh, if, you, if you don't sleep enough and uh, you can really kind of put a strain on that and you're not able to control, you know, but the converse of it is that um, if you train it too hard, then you're going to be doing all the things that you don't really want to do. <laughs> like you're going to be too good at sort of that. So it's, it's a fine balance. I thought that was really interesting. 
Um, but definitely, uh, definitely my goals. And then the journaling part, I've really, really embraced. It's funny. It's something my parents got me on when I was really, really young. Um, I was very, very fortunate as a kid to travel. Um, I'm, I'm Serbian. Uh, my, my parents immigrated from Serbia um, in the 90s. And most of my cousins and family still live in, uh, in Serbia and in Belgrade. And when I was young, I would go there and live with my grandparents, live with my aunts and uncles without my parents. And what my parents always said was like, they gave me a notebook and they were like, just write down like a little bit every day. Just like, so you can tell us afterwards, like what you did and all that stuff. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I started doing that, but like, it was brilliant, right? Because looking back, you have all of those moments and it, it forced you to kind of reflect on from a young age on what you sort of did, the interactions yeah. you had, like what you learned from your grandparents, like all that kind of stuff. And I'd have like countdown, like I knew my mom would be coming in like July 15th. So I'd do like a countdown, can't wait to see mom and all that kind of stuff. So that was like the, the initiation to kind of the journaling. My dad always did it. Um, but I think to your kind of point, what I really try to do now to try and kind of stay. So for example, I travel with the senior men's national team. Um, when we go to competitions and this past summer, we were in, uh, like an absolutely incredible experience. We played games in Toronto, we flew to Winnipeg, played game in Winnipeg, flew to Australia. We spent a week in Perth. Um, and we flew to Sydney, we spent a week in Sydney, and then we flew to Dongguan and uh, in China, we spent 10 days there. And then we went to uh, Shanghai, finished the week in Shanghai, and then came back to like, what an incredible, like, opportunity and journey. Um, our head coach was Nick Nurse, had an opportunity to work alongside him, um, and be involved in the coaches meeting and stuff like that. So going into it, again, fortunate with my parents, I was like, this is going to be a big challenge. Um, but how to not get caught up in like the little things to, that you have to do, like the deliverables of every day. Obviously you're working hard to make sure that you kill those and knock those out of the park, but how to actually step back and be like, look, I'm doing all these kind of cool things. And for me, it was um, the journaling element of it is where that kind of came through. So what I try to do was again, with, with the app, um, I would take a picture every day. Like for example, if we had practice, I would take a picture like the practice court the first time we were there, I thought that was cool. Or like in, in Perth, there's this beautiful um, riverside sort of walk. So I'd go for a walk and I'd take a picture and then I'd, I'd import that into the app and I'd write like a couple of things. And I'd try to do that every day, like every day. So for example, we played Team USA in um, the Sydney Kings arena. And then I took a picture and I was like, how cool is this? Like we get a chance to be kind of here and all that. So just to try and stop and reflect not only on like the deliverables and the stress of like the day to day, but like how fortunate I am to be, you know, at, I was at the time 27 years old, like incredibly mindful that this is a unique opportunity that many people would dream about doing and to really maximize and make sure I'm delivering on what I need to do professionally, but also be like, look, I might never get this chance again. Like stepping back now and like during coronavirus and COVID-19, like who knows what, if I'm ever going to be able to travel with the senior team ever again, you know, if we go to Tokyo next year, they might narrow down the staff and I might not be a part of that anymore. You know what I'm saying? So it's really brought a perspective and the journaling is, is one of the day. And now I can go back and like pull up that, that, that picture from like August 20th, 2019, when we were in that Sydney arena and kind of thing about that. So anyways, that's, those are some of the yeah. strategies that have been kind of helpful. Dude, in dude I, I love that, man. There's been so many times I've been on trips and I've just been like so focused on the work itself that I've missed out. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, dude, I got to get this done. I don't want to let anybody down. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm here, I'm here to work. And then it's like, well, I'm also missing out on all these cool you know, right. opportunities to connect with people or just take it in. Right. So I love that, man. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. 
And I don't think you can be as effective in the actual work unless you're taking that opportunity for yourself to rest. Like you're, we were on the road for like for six weeks. So like you're going to burn out unless you're taking the time to, and like also just observing the people around like Nick nurse is one that ensures that balance is there. You know, he has his guitar. It's been much chronicled. We don't have to spend time, on it, but he has a guitar. He's, he's playing that on the road. Um, so I, I, for example, I'm, I'm close with a doctor on our team and we try and do like a walk every day um, and explore like 45, like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, it doesn't have to be long. Wake up in the morning, do a walk, explore the neighborhood um, that we're in and then just kind of come back and knock out the coaches meeting in the morning and kind of all that stuff. So I think ultimately though, one other thing I would say to that is um, I think preparation is crucial. <laughs> to this as well and making sure that before we got on the road, I had like a fundament, like a foundation base of like workflow that I would know that I had. Um, so you're not scrambling in the day to day um, because that would prevent you from doing all of these other things that, um, you know, making sure the work is ready before we get on the plane to go and we have like a basic scout of all these teams ready and uh, our own analysis and our tools are ready. Our, 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 our programming programs ready to go and, and all that kind of stuff. So that allows you to kind of go. And I think you got to work out, honestly, the physical element, like you got to, like the assistant coaches know this better than everybody. Like, it's funny, man, like going into the gym in the morning, like every assistant coach is in the gym in the morning, like Nathaniel Mitchell's on the weights. Like <laughs> he's, he's working on the weights. Like Gordy, Gordy Herbert um, is, is running on the treadmill, like Patrick Tatum, like all the, everyone's kind of doing their thing, Nate. You're, so it's, uh, um, it's, you got to have the physical element to stimulate your, 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 uh, your mental as well. So it's cool, man. Yeah. I think the one thing too, that's really cool. And, and you've kind of touched on this is that like when you're working, you're present and you're working with it, you know, whatever you're working on, if you're going for a walk, you're present with the walk, you know, I'm not going for the, and I mean, sometimes you can go for a walk and think about work, but I think when I've really started to study high achievers, they can get really present with whatever they're working on, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so tell me about that. Like how, like, I mean, you've mentioned going for the walk, you've mentioned doing some of these different things the even the pre-work before you get on the plane and just making sure you're prepared and organized, but yeah. man, how do you just get so present with your work where you, you can almost heighten your focus and you can almost achieve, I guess, more of a flow state. I think all of these exercises that you kind of engage in, like the, you have to, like the rest, the meditation and the mindfulness allow you to uh, be in a frame of mind where you're able to kind of deliver on, on some of those things. Um, and you're not just sitting down and then thinking to the next kind of um, thing that you have to oh, just, and skipping over some of these and really sort of sitting down and being like, okay, for this next hour, like I have to, you know, run these, uh, run this, this program. I got to put my numbers, uh, make sure everything's accurate and then deliver on the report. And I think that, you know, all of these other things that we talk about kind of feed into that so that when you sit down and do the work, you're able to kind of deliver on it. I would be lying if I said that, you know, it happened like in June of 2017 and it's been that way since then, you know, like I think that there's a trial and error, there's a growth, there's a learning that happens that allows you then in, in September of to August of 2019, after two years, three years of really learning and making mistakes and, um, and, and getting feedback from coaches and stuff like that, where you're able to get into a space of sort of, um, you know, 
understanding of what you need to do and you've improved, you've tweaked your workflow to kind of get into that process. Like it was a learning experience. Like when we were in, when we were at UTM in, uh, in 2017, and that was my first time working with, 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 uh, with Coach Rana, right? So it was, that was a learning experience and they hadn't really yes. had like a group um, uh, analytics, per, like a numbers person there before and building trust with him. Um, so he would, you know, be open to some of the, the numbers that we collected. So, and, and some of the feedback that we gave him and, and some of that stuff. So that was it, that was a work in progress. And I mean, then he, he was the head coach of the senior national team and bringing some of the lessons and mistakes that we made in that and, and kind of developing that workflow through the, so it's an ongoing process. And I wouldn't say that now that you sit down, you're in a perfect flow state and uh, you know, everything's, everything's humming along. Like it's never that, it's, it's, it's growth, it's development, it's, um, it's asking for feedback. Um, and then incorporating some of those things. And, uh, and, and honestly, like back in the day, in like 2016, 17, when I started, I tried to do everything myself, honestly. Like I would run our um, scraper to pull the numbers. I'd make sure everything's accurate. I'd put it into our database. I'd be, and just realizing that you're not gonna be able to do it as effectively if you're trying to cover everything yourself. So growing our analytics team and analytics network that we've had the fortune of sort of developing with Canada basketball, it's like 25 people now um, that support our group wow. and relying on them to, you know, help and support in some of those things and really focusing in on what I have to deliver and coming to a point where I don't really do as much for age group teams because we've created sort of an opportunity and a, and a, and a, a workflow where we have uh, individuals supporting the age group teams, um, U U16 through U19, and I can focus a little bit more on senior national team and, and that type of stuff. So, and that that came from Mike Meeks being like, "Look, stop! Like you can't do all this <laughs> yourself. Um, you know, who? How are you going to develop the network so you're able to deliver on some of those things and challenging me to kind of um, to do that? So it's it's ongoing and it's far from perfect, and we're still learning and, and growing that way, but. Um, I think the, the repetition of the mindfulness and the, and the journaling and the meditation and, um, you know, trying to stay active allows you to, when you do sit down to deliver the work, you can focus in on the task at hand, really knock it out. And uh, I mean, it's fun too. So that helps. <laughs> like I love watching yeah. basketball video. I love looking at uh, some of the numbers that we pull and, and writing reports and stuff like that. So that, I mean, I'm fortunate that that's helpful too. Yeah. Dude, I, I feel you though with, with the whole, when you first started, you were, almost maybe taking on too much or trying to, yeah. because I think initially when you start with something new, maybe you feel a little bit of pressure, right? Like, oh. dude, I want to do well. I want to, I want to, I want to, and if I have other people doing things and I don't really know them and I haven't built relationships and we haven't really established a foundation for how we want to do this, it's like, well, like I need, I just need some time, you know, just, just to kind of get my feet yeah. wet with all these things where I can start to maybe delegate. So to me, that makes a lot of sense, that process that you went through. Yeah, that you're, I agree 100%. There's so much pressure on sort of, especially when you're, I mean, in any vocation, right? When you're starting off and you're kind of trying to um, build a name for yourself and you're trying to take on all these things and, and deliver them um, and really being sort of uh, aware of, what you're able to do, how much you're able to do, what are your limitations, where you have to improve, where you have to grow, ask for help, ask for feedback. Um, that's, that's, I think, really, really important. And I think as I've kind of roamed through this as well, um, and as you take on sort of leadership positions, I do think it's important to also provide that support 
and feedback to now the people that are coming out um, and, and are doing some of that work with you. Um, and when you observe some of those things, be mindful of the fact that, okay, you had the opportunity to get feedback from people like Mike um, Meeks and, uh, you know, and Rowan and, and the coaches that we've had um, that have kind of taken you aside and said, okay, this is what we'll, these are to prioritize all these things to be able to kind of deliver that down and, and continue that path. But I mean, look, it's inevitable. I think that as you're getting started in something, you're going to try to really do as much as you can and, uh, and, and take on all these things to kind of prove your, your metal, prove your worth, which I mean, in a sense is good too. You're, you're eager to learn all those things, but you want to make sure you're not sort of hindering your ability to deliver on those, I guess. Yeah. It's like almost like you kind of got to surrender to it, man. You got to accept where you're at. Like this is the reality of the situation. Like I just started, <laughs> but we right, right, sometimes right. We, we put these expectations on ourselves. That's not, it's not fair, you right. know? And it's, man, I think sometimes we just need to be easier on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, that, that's the cause of a lot of, um, of stress and anxiety and a lack of confidence as well, right? Because you're, you're like, oh my God, I don't have an answer immediately at this time um, for this particular thing. Like I'm a failure, I'm gonna get fired tomorrow and, uh, and all of that. And I, that's real, like I felt that and still feel that at times, right? Like I remember my first, I don't know if I should share this publicly, but I remember my first coaches meeting with like when Coach Nurse came on board last yeah. year. We were at downtown in Toronto, and like I'm sitting at in this room, and I'm there. And thank God Meeks was there. <laughs> Shitting my pants. Otherwise, I don't know if I could swear on this. I apologize. No, you're good. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Then there was, uh, you know, you have um, Coach Nurse is in the is in the room. Nate Yorker is in the room. John Goodwillie, Nathaniel Mitchell. Um, you know. Gordon, Gordy Herbert. And I was fortunate I've worked with many of these people before, but like, it's intimidating, right? And you're, you're, you're nervous. And I don't think anybody can just like, it's rare that you can just slide into that, um, that, that kind of situation and just be free fall. I mean, some people are more confident or um, better communicators and open right off the bat than others. I think that helps with that. But you know, there's going to be an intimidation there. There's going to be a, a desire to really take on everything and prove, which is good too. You know, you, you want to be eager, you want to be, uh, but you also have to be real that like these guys have been doing their jobs for decades, right? And you've started a couple of years ago and how can you really, um, you know, show your ability and really, uh, and ultimately it's not even about showing your ability. You just have to do your job the best you possibly can to help the team win <laughs> is, is ultimately what your job is and what Mike I've kind of learned. And honestly, I got to credit Roy Rana for this. Um, I think is that you have to take on any and every, and again, this is funny because there's, and I would, to get your feedback on this because there's kind of two sides to this because it kind of goes counter to what we were talking about, about not taking on too many things. Um, but one thing I see, you got to be willing to do anything and everything in these kind of kind of circumstances so for example like at, like in, in my role um as a performance analyst and in managing analytics for that team like i have a set group of tasks that i have to deliver on a regular basis from our reporting to our statistics every day in practice um to scouts for the team that we're going to be playing and, and some video stuff but then like i also got to carry um i got to help you know our ist team sometimes carry bags from the truck from the bus into like the the team room and then i got to rebound and play defense on the court um, during practice and like being eager to do all of these things. And we've had sort of um, individuals that have helped support our team in the past that have been like, oh, that's not really my job. 
so it's like a fine balance of really trying to, you know, just be eager and open to, to supporting all things. But I guess that does go counter a little bit to what we said before of not taking on too much um, and, and delivering. So I guess there has to be an awareness there of, and a mindfulness. And I guess that just comes from experience as well um, of sort of what you can and can't do. But what I always tell people that support our teams um, is be ready to kind of help in any way that's sort of asked. And um, I, I think it's valued when, you know, you're you're on the you're on your computer and you might be tracking stats but then a guy dives on the court and now there's a line of sweat and you don't wait necessarily for like the the uh the support staff to come by now but you have a towel there you can kind of clean and that's a small example but really being positive it's really important in these um in many in, in these environments just have a positive outlook and an energy you have to be smiling and then willing to go uh just support uh enthusiasm and, and bring sort of uh bring kind of an, a positive energy to to the group as well i think is, is important so I, I completely took us off on a tangent there. I'm not even 100% sure what you're talking about. You're crushing it. What? My question back to you would be, how do you balance that desire to um, be eager and enthusiastic and, and really help with everything, but also, you know, um, deliver on what you have to kind of take care of um, on a day-to-day? -day. So I guess it's an awareness. I guess it comes from experience as well. I mean, leadership, having people be able to guide you, I guess, in, in that setting as well and give you feedback on that. Yeah. You know what? The one thing I loved about working with Coach Rana is he was super clear, you know, what he wanted. I mean, I mean, there was times I had to go back and edit things and, and change things, but I just felt, man, it's cool to have this structure, but also there was a sense of autonomy and I could put my spin on things, right. um, at least with right. some of the video projects I submitted before camp. So yeah. when, when we went and we had that initial meeting, it was cool. I think, we, he kind of went around the room and he was telling people what we needed to do. So I think like, that's the first, first step. Like you yeah. said, like, what are we actually trying to get done here? You know, right. what's, what's the outcome? Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't even know if I have a, have a, an answer for how we balance that. Like, I think it's just, like you said, over time, we kind of get a feel, you know, for, yeah. for things that are going to stick out and how we're going to maybe have to jump in now. I think you have to get a feel and I think you got to ask like questions as well. Like if you have sort of a manager or a person that's kind of responsible for your well-being and your, um, you doing your job, frankly, right. <laughs> like ask, <laughs> but also be willing to do anything and everything and, and not thinking that any task is kind of, um, you know, quote unquote beneath what your sort of responsibility is. Um, that's one of the coolest things I think John about working with the national team that I've found over the years is our group that sort of has been um, that Rowan and uh, and sort of the management have, have built um, over the years is just an incredible group of people that are literally willing to do whatever it takes to kind of um, have success and, and have the team um, perform on the court. And there's not there. I mean, in every, in every, you know, circumstance, you're going to have egos and, and, and people are coming from very successful other uh, positions that, that they hold, but the national team is almost like, and even players like talk about this a little bit too. It's like, you got to be willing to like, okay, you know, roll up your sleeves and like, okay, we're going to kind of figure this out. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be beautiful every single time, but let's do it together. Um, and it's really, really cool to kind of see that. And you have people supporting, like I remember the doctor once said, like when Steve Nash was traveling with the team, like he was carrying bags and do, like that doesn't always happen. <laughs> and it's a small thing, but I think it's, it's a really communal sort of group where it's all hands on deck 
Um, and that's why winning, when, when we do have success with a group, is just so much sweeter um, and, and more uh, fulfilling because everyone's really involved in the process and no one's kind of, you know, beneath the shun to the side. And, and that's really cool. Yeah. So backtracking a little bit, you were talking about positive energy. And I know we've talked about a couple of things like meditation, stillness, all that kind of stuff. But how do you cultivate positive energy? How, how do you do that in your own life? I think... So it was a way for me to kind of, again, stay engaged and involved um, within the teams that I was taking a part of. Like if you're at the end of the bench um, in grade nine, like you can sulk <laughs> or you can stand up and clap and high five your guys when they come off the court and hug them and, you know, give them love and, and whatever and, and embrace kind of their success. Ultimately, I think from sort of a mental wellness standpoint, that is going to be more fulfilling if you can set your kind of ego and um, aside and kind of embrace that you're going to feel more fulfilled than sulking on the side and be like, oh man, I'm not going to, the coach hates me. Like I'm not getting the, the opportunities. I should be playing over these guys. Like that sort of anger and frustration. I feel like Obviously, that's not to say that you accept your role and be like, ah, whatever, like I'm never going to be able to. You still channel that energy of wanting to get better and improve to doing so. But I feel like from sort of a mental well-being, like that <laughs> having that frustration um, and anger is going to hinder any progress you can kind of uh, make. And I think that there's a self-awareness element to that. Um, and I think that when I sort of stopped playing and, and kind of came on to the national team, I wanted to have that as well. And, there's an element of it too. It's like a lot of these, this is a role that was new. Like they hadn't had sort of an analytics person travel with the group um, either. And I wanted to show that there's more value than just, um, you know, reports that you can give, like that it's also important to be a positive, um, energetic, supportive person. And you do play such a small role in the cog. And if you're taking away and pulling away energy from like the coach is ta the head coach and the assistants are tasked with so much. And I mean, you know, working, you're in that position. Um, if there's any negative energy that's kind of pulling from that, you're sort of risking the derailment of, of this and the success of you're jeopardizing the success of, um, so you work really, really hard to deliver only a small bit, but in just an instant with some sort of sulking or, um, you know, frustration with anything that your role might be, you can kind of derail all of that. So I think for me, it was always, um, you know, trying to bring, um, you know, a smile and a positive outlook to, uh, to all of that, not in a fake way. Um, but uh, I think that that sort of supported some of the, the, the work um, that you're able to do otherwise. And, and, and ultimately, I have no research to suggest this, but I feel like if you're trying to embrace a more positive, energetic outlook with a smile that for your own mental well-being, when you go to sleep at night, it's going to be better for you than you sulking the entire day thinking everybody hates me <laughs> and being frustrated. Um, and then you go to sleep and you're like, oh, you're tired, you're, you're all yeah. that stuff. So that's kind of, I guess, where it comes from. And I think the meditation and the mindfulness and the gratitude that you have that you're in this position. So let's make the most out of it and be happy and um, try to embrace all those things. That's not to say that that's like an everyday thing. Like some days, you know, you're like, you're not up to that. Um, I think that's, that's normal. Um, and you just try and kind of reset and refocus and, uh, and maybe the next day it'll be a little bit better, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I love that, man. It's like, we have a choice. We can either operate out of love or we can operate out of fear. And I feel like people that get caught in kind of the victim mentality, I mean, there's multiple reasons, yeah. but, you know, I don't want to be abandoned or, you know, right. and, and there's, a, there's a long list of things. Um, 
that go on. Yeah. And I think the more, the more positive experiences you have that you can be in a, in a loving place, I think it's momentum right. too. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't really stop. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And people want to be around um, other people that are, you know, bringing that positive energy and, and like, that's yeah. fun. Like that's why you sort of spend six weeks on the road together. You want to be around people that are, you know, really, really uh, focused and, and, and hard workers. But when you're having lunch and everyone's together, like you can, you know, loosen up a little bit and make jokes and, and smile and, and have fun and, uh, and sort of embrace this journey that everyone's on together. And I mean, we see it with athletes all the time, right? Like who's the, who are the successful ones like that are, you know, the the 10th 11th 12th player deep on the bench and then you know when someone gets injured they've been the ones clapping the entire time and they get they get pointed to they can kind of step into that role and they've still been working that's not to say that you're not you know working on the side and getting better but that's those are the ones that kind of have success um they're ready to embrace and they, the teammates are now um supporting them in turn because they've been receiving and feeling that love and energy that entire time um so that's it's it's important and it's hard though i will say like this is it's not to be a thing like this is hard to bring that consistently i don't know if i have a perfect answer of how you kind of do it and sometimes you can't do it right it's tough um but if you can kind of find a way to more often than not deliver on on that i think it's it's, it's valuable so so phil i i got one last question for you and this is kind of related to everything and, and you may have touched on different points um and this relates to what you just said is what, what's your relationship with expectations? I have a buddy that told me the other day, he's like, I just have no expectations at all. And I'm like, how do you get to that place? Cause that, that seems, man, that seems tough. Yeah, that's, uh, it's on, my relationship with expectations is ongoing. <laughs> you try to, you try to kind of go, I think it's also evolved a lot. Um, I think you can kind of fall into a trap of, looking towards the net like looking to the next thing um as much as possible so for example you start in you finally get your foot in the door um you know as a you know a, a coordinator at a you know a performance analysis coordinator for example as an organization you finally get your foot in the door um and then you're like okay i want to be an assistant coach i want to do so you're like setting a high level of okay you need to achieve this this and this and then you're looking toward like just focused on that next kind of goal and then, okay, once you get there, maybe you want to be a head coach or, you know, I want to become a general manager and what am I going to do when you're skipping? I think that like, definitely that's real. And like, that happens all the time. And you're thinking about, okay, where do you kind of want to go in your, in your career professionally and all that. But I do think that, uh, that you have to embrace the spot that you're kind of at right now and um, deliver on the things that you, and enjoy, like, if you're not enjoying your position and your responsibilities and uh and you're like oh when i get to that next position everything is going to be fine and i'm gonna well what's probably going to happen is you're going to get to the next position and you get your promotion your title and you're not going to be happy with what's going on you're still going to be frustrated you're going to be like oh but now i want this it's like the person that and they, i mean this is often said but it's like the person that's like oh if i get a, a ten thousand dollar raise my life is going to be complete Right. Well, what's happens when you get that $10,000 raise is you're like, okay, what's like, I'm not happy. Right. And it's, it doesn't actually change anything for you. Um, so I think that, and I, that's something that it's, it takes time to come to terms with and sort of learn about. Um, but I do think that you do have to set sort of um, process expectations for yourself in terms of the quality of the work that you're going to do. And I think an expectation is also, you know, 
it depends on the way you define it because you can say, um, I also expect myself to deliver in this position, but not necessarily go and, and only think about kind of what's next. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a level of attention to detail that you still, um, that you still want to do in, in, in the, in the day-to-day -day stuff that you're doing. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, a common sort of trap that you can kind of fall into is always saying, okay, this is my end goal. Um, quote unquote, I want to be a general manager. Um, and that's your expectation. And, uh, you know, you're, you're driving to that, you're progressing to that, but you have to really focus in on, uh, a, uh, it's nice to have that as kind of a career path goal that you want to take, but you have to be real in the moment, um, with the things that you're doing on your day to day. Um, and you have to embrace that. And I think I was listening once to a podcast, uh, Bob Myers was, was on that podcast. Um, and he was talking, they asked him a question about, um, like aspiring managers and all of that. And he, he kind of highlighted that he's like, you have to love and embrace sort of the position that you're at right now and not kind of think about, okay, general manager, general manager, general manager, general manager, because then you're going to miss like 20 years of your life in the process. Um, and it's gone in a second. <laughs> and then you're looking, and when you get to that ultimate position, you're not kind of fulfilled in the, in the need because you don't actually think it is what you kind of created this like lofty expectation for it, but it's never really that beautiful. Like, um, so ultimately, um, I think it ties into everything that it's funny that you asked that, that kind of last, I think it ties into everything we've sort of talked about today. Um, self-awareness, mindfulness, um, you know, positive energy and, and really embracing, um, where you're at in the moment, um, and find, trying to find a passion for that grind <laughs> that you have in that very moment. And it might not be where you're looking to get to ultimately, but it's a step in the right direction. I worked in client services um, before I started at Canada Basketball. I was on the phone, like handling calls <laughs> in a call center. And it's funny, I've heard a couple other people that have also done that position and moved on to that. It's like the worst, greatest job that you could possibly have. Like the job sucks. Like it's a tough, tough thing when you're on the phone every single day with people that don't want to have anything to do with you. But you learn communication skills. Um, and if you can figure out a way to like make it, um, enjoyable and a lot of that I will say I think revolves with the people that are around you and if you're fortunate to be I was really fortunate in my job to have amazing people um, around me and even though the job itself wasn't that but like you learn a ton of things and you're going to be able to apply those things that you learn at the next kind of phase of your career at some point um, so don't take any so one thing I, I try and share with sort of people that you know are looking for feedback or some of the, the volunteers that are supporting our program is like don't take any they're like oh I just want to work in sports but like don't take any job that you have as like a throwaway, you know, try and kind of embrace everything that you're doing because it has value that you might not realize at the time. But then five years from now, I'm like, oh my God, thank God I worked at a call center for a year. Like I learned how to do all these things that have been so beneficial to, to where I am right now. So I think I would try to, to, to kind of tie back to expectations, sort of be real with the moment. I would be willing to talk, to, I would love to talk to your friend I don't know if, is it like possible to live without expectations? I mean, um, that's, it's, it, that's an interesting concept. Um, yeah. And I think that there's a positive element to them as well, depending on how you define them. Um, like I have an expectation for myself in the day to day that I do to have, you know, an incredible attention to detail to the stuff that I do and a timeliness to the way that we deliver our reports. I don't think that's necessarily a negative thing, right. depending on how you frame it. Um, but it's ongoing, it's evolving. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier. It's don't necessarily be so hard on yourself, especially when you're early in a career and you're starting out and you're getting going. 
um, because it's an ongoing learning process for sure. Man, a yogi friend said, and this kind of ties into what you were saying about happiness and just got me thinking, man, like I had a yogi friend tell me the other day, like if you can't be happy right now yeah, like with, with where we're at, man, you're never going to be happy. Right. That's just and, and I, and I feel, I feel what you're saying, man, everything, what you're saying about expectations and it's almost, it's also too, like, this is another point is, is, is there a difference between expectations and standards? Is that just lingo? Like, sure. you know? Um, yeah. And that's a good point. Maybe, excuse me, what I was talking about in terms of attention to detail, maybe that's kind of a standard right. that you expect standard of excellence that you're looking to deliver in, in the work that you do, um, which is fine. But it's funny, it's, it, and, it, and you can see it kind of in, in, in basketball players and athletes as well. Um, like, I think the ones that are, obviously you're going to have your top tier, like your, your unbelievable athletes, like your LeBron James that are just going to be good regardless of, and okay, sorry, that's not to take away, like he's obviously put in, he's not good regardless, put in a tremendous amount of work to get to the point where he's at. Yeah. But like that's kind of underneath that kind of 1% of incredible um, capabilities, like the best ones are like, you know, ultimately the ones that in my opinion, like are have that level of self-awareness and are realistic with their expectations of what's ex what's expected of them sort of on the court. And you have your like Fred Van Vliet's who come in and are on JJ Reddick's podcast and are talking about sort of the mental um, behind being willing to go, still having an ego and thinking that they're, they should be playing on uh, the, the main, the Raptors, but then going to the G league and, trying to really, really have success there and not complaining and sulking or whatever. So when they finally get their opportunity to, to deliver. Um, so it's like the, there's an element of expectations that should be in there in place to um, kind of propel you and drive you forward as long as they're realistic and grounded um, and you're enjoying kind of the moment of it um, as opposed to, you know, really only thinking about the next step. So. Yeah, dude, I love that. It's like also, and I think this is just another thing, and, and, and this is it, I promise. I'm going to let you get off because I respect your time. But what I, I'd say is, dude, the other thing that we haven't touched on, but it's like it seems like a central concept at this point, is just our energy management. 100%. Like, dude, how do you want to spend your energy? Like, Do you want to be whining and complaining and being a victim, or do you want to be building something and, and helping us right. win? Like, we're, right, right, right. And it's, and it's so draining because once you go down that rabbit hole of being the victim and, and – and complaining and whining it's just like oh man like dude you're just digging a hole like you're just continually digging and digging and, and now it's because you're so invested it, it almost gets tougher to get out because you're so deep you're stuck a hundred percent it's like a it's a domino effect either way right it's a cumulative effect either way like if it's a negative thing you're just going to keep compounding that that negative energy and, and dig yourself deeper and deeper and it's going to take even more to kind of bring yourself out of that whereas if you're trying, if you're capable, able to find a way to um, have a more positive outlook that's grounded in, in what's going on um, at the current moment, then you're feeding off of other people and now you're compounding the, the other way. And it's, it's that saps a lot less and can even give you a little bit more when it's difficult. Yes. Um, so that's, uh, that's important um, for sure. And yeah, you know, I think this is a little bit of a tangent, but I, we talked about it a little bit, I think rest as well. Like you have to find, like you have to take care of yourself regardless of the position that you kind of occupy in sort of a hierarchy of things. Like if you're a bit, like there's a myth 
in my opinion, that like you're as a video coordinator or whatever kind of low level position you occupy, you have to like destroy yourself like physically and mentally because otherwise you're not doing it right, you know? And you're almost hindering your ability to perform if you're sleeping four hours a day and, you know, eating like shit and, and doing all that stuff. So um, just like athletes, like, I mean, you're gonna suffer both mentally and physically if you don't rest, if you don't eat properly. Um, and that's not to say that you're not working hard, but I think coaches and, and some sort of management that places those sort of unreal, I think the, like we're getting a little bit better, um, as an industry and as the, as a sort of, um, you know, a field of recognizing those things and that, you know, a person that doesn't have that neglects their family, for example, because it's like the job, like that's also, you know, a hindrance to your well-being and your ability to perform. And I think organizations are, are improving to that. Um, but anyways, you got to take care of yourself, man. <laughs> Otherwise, who else will? Um, and you're just going to burn out. And, uh, and and that's not to say that you're not working really, really hard and spending long hours at this, but you got to sleep, you got to recover, you got to eat, you got to hydrate. Um, you got to take those little pockets of time to be mindful. Um, and I think it should not be stigma. I think those opportunities should not be stigmatized. Um, and I think that the, the um, the ability to be vulnerable and ask questions and then sort of um, receive feedback is, is crucial to, to all of it. Thanks for coming on, Phil. You're the man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me, man. It's great chatting with you. It's been a minute, but it's good seeing you and that beard really coming out strong. You got, Dude, got I'm life. telling you, bro, it's, it's <laughs> patience and, and olive oil and, and just, do. I've been okay. working at it. So I appreciate you saying that.